We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories, brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Dave Shear, the host of Refuge Freedom Stories. Tonight, we are blessed with the opportunity of listening to Mr. Merv Budd, a missionary to Nepal, as he shares his real-life story of how he was changed by the power of God. So back in 1988, I found out I was in one of those situations where I was wondering where God was. I just completed uh, my first year of a two-year short-term mission trip with Operation Mobilization. And I was in Nepal, where we would go trekking in remote mountain regions and villages of Nepal with sacks of literature. We were uh, heading out on a trek, and this time we were going to the northern part of Nepal, hopefully getting close to the border of Tibet. Uh, And we had Tibet literature we wanted to give out as well. Dave, who was a colleague, and uh, he was the leader of the Nepal uh, mission field there. We would take literature, uh, like uh, reading primers, Because they're not good. And this is what they've been told that these books are bad books, 
they're not good books, you can't have these books. And then they would say to us, how much do you want for these? And we would uh, sell them, not for profit, but in order that the book would have value to them, otherwise they'd just take the free book and use it for uh, starting fires. But we wanted it to have value so they'd read it, and they would take them and buy them and use them as primers. And you can see often they buy them and then straightway, uh, those are some of the books and they're reading. In a region with very little literature, that was, uh, that was a great delight of them. So it's in the midst of this incredible beauty with people who are hungry to receive the Word of God and find out more about Christianity, Dave and I found ourselves moved to pray um, to be used for Nepal. It was just, it was just one day we were just overwhelmed. And so we prayed that God would use us in any way, just use us. Little did we know uh, what was in store. So uh, we were on our last day of trekking. We had just a few uh, books left. We came across this village. We knew we were close to where we were catching the bus and where the bus was would be a police station uh, and we didn't want to sell too close to the police because we'd get in trouble. And so we asked how far uh, to the bus station and we were told it was about like a couple hours. So we thought, great, we can sell, go to the village, sell these last books, get to the uh, bus and we'll be on our way. So we sold these books and uh, little did we know that actually it wasn't uh, a couple hours, it was like 10 minutes. And so by the time we got to the village, there was policemen waiting for Use that name, that's the Hindu name, and I forget the Nepali name, but Kali is the god 
So I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. Uh, you serve the God of death, we serve the God of life. This could be a conflict. Hey, maybe I'm in spiritual battle. <laughs> I was. And uh, we had come to the region where the God of death was worshipped with words of life, and I think he wasn't happy. In fact, after uh, we had been arrested and taken from the jail cell to the prison, uh, after uh, about a month or so, we were met by the judge who was going to be judging our case. And he, he said to us, he said, you should thank me. He said, oh, why should we thank him? He said, well, after we have our case and I find him guilty, when you are finally released, you can write a book and become very famous. But he had already determined that he was going to find us guilty. And then he said, you pray to your mighty Jesus and see if he can release. And he mocked our God. And I thought, this is interesting. The God of death is against us, and now the judge is judging our case is against us. And by the way, how we were questioned, uh, they took Dave out, and he was taken to the, the courthouse. He was given a, a pad of paper. They would ask him a question, which he would write down, and he'd have to write his answer up. And they had found, uh, Dave kept a journal, and journal every Christian he had met, every place we had gone, every activity we'd been involved in. Thank you, Dave. Um, and I felt an incredible amount of pressure, because in the fall at that time, uh, mission agencies could only come under one umbrella. It's called the United Mission to Nepal. And so uh, I felt a responsibility that if we were doing what was illegal, it would reflect bad on every missionary agency in Nepal. So I was feeling a lot of pressure. And then after Dave was questioning, we were separated at night so we couldn't talk to each other. Uh, he spent two days being questioned, then they took me, and they brought me and asked me the exact same questions to make sure our stories would match up. You know that verse in the Bible says when you're brought before people uh, to be questioned, don't worry in advance what to say because the Holy Spirit will give it to you? I found that verse uh, absolutely true because the challenge was to tell the truth, but not too much. To be able to speak honestly, but not to give more than they were asking that might jeopardize missions in Nepal. And I was amazed because um, when we finally got the transcripts and we saw our answers, how they mirrored one another, uh, almost word for word sometimes, in what we said, but also what we left out, uh, and how God protected Anyway, so uh, we, we've been in jail, and uh, it's been about two months, in prison rather, we've been in it for about two months, and then finally, we got a visitor, and it was the uh, assistant to our lawyer. We didn't even know we had a lawyer, so this was good news.
by bed I mean wooden frame with a, a styrofoam on top. They're not styrofoam, but foam. Um, there is uh, ants walking over us and mice and lizards. Um, the water was turned on for a couple hours every day, so if you want the water, which is highly recommended, uh, you want to get it during the time it's turned on, you fill up your canteens, and that'll be used for your bathroom privileges and uh, drinking, and if you're going to shower, you had a drink, you had a shower under the top. While we were in prison, I had two earthquake experiences. The first one, I was, I was outside uh, in the, in the um, courtyard, and I was leaning against the wall, reading a book, and all of a sudden, I hear a train coming. I thought, that's odd, they don't have trains in the park. <laughs> So um, the first night we were in prison, 
you're locked in with all these guys who all circled around, and they all want to know why are you in prison. And uh, my Nepali wasn't that good. Dave's was a little better. We had one, a couple guys that could speak a little bit of English. So they're asking, you know, why do you speak? Why, why are you in prison? And so they would say, well, why are you in prison? And there's guys in there who um, would cut down a government tree, and he was in prison. There's one guy in there who had stolen. Uh, one guy was a Marxist. And there's one guy, uh, a very colorful guy, Sarah was his name. He became one of my best friends in prison. He goes, I die a man. He was the guy who speaking a little bit of English. I die a man. I'm thinking, what, what color is it? And now I realize, oh, no, maybe he meant I killed a man. And then he says, why are you in prison? And Dave goes, Yesu Dharma, which means Jesus religion. I'm thinking, this is a, I'm ruining Hindu. We did not say that.
we hit we were writing people back that that lasted for a little bit they got one and it was a it was a, a little kid's writing and it was a picture of a boy and you can see the outline but it had one leg was kind of cut off halfway and it says this is me he says i lost my leg he says actually i didn't lose it i had it amputated i'm writing to encourage you another one a great big envelope and on the front it said urgent government business <laughs> And they recognize that our prayer 
And, uh, and I get on my bed on my knees, and my friend Sarah goes, Mervyn, what is wrong? What is wrong? And actually, he didn't call me Mervyn. He could pronounce the R and the D, MJ, because that's what he pronounced. MJ, MJ, what's her? And I go, I'm praying. Oh, you're praying. So the next day, I'm down there praying. And he goes, Mervyn, are you okay? You see, see me, you know, bowed over. He's sick, I'm sick. I go, no, no, I'm praying. Oh, you're praying. The next day, I'm praying. He goes, Mervyn. I go, what? He goes, you're praying. Touch on your hand 
Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.